and welcome back to the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and you're listening to the Friday Five. It's our weekly list of headlines you should know about. We mentioned the end of daylight savings time last week. It's been interesting this week adjusting to the sun setting earlier darkness in general, and I have to say I'm looking forward to the upcoming weekend to reset a little bit and enjoy some more of those daylight hours. Let's get into our list for this week. Number one, we are in the midst of the annual enrollment period. It's also the open enrollment period. And then there's the busyness of the holidays coming up. For some of us, that means more time out on the roads, possibly in unfamiliar territory. Waze just announced an update that aims to combat one of the more tricky parts of not being familiar with an area. The app will now alert users to roads that have a history of crashes. This is an extremely useful feature because we all know this information for the areas that we're familiar with, that we drive through often. Most towns have troublesome intersections or stretches of road. On one of my routes into the office, there are a couple areas that are prone to dense fog as well as drifting snow during the winter. With the new update, Waze will alert users to these accident-prone areas. And the cool part is the features rely on a mix of user reports and artificial intelligence. So Waze might not notify you about a bad intersection that you already know about and drive through frequently. But if there's one a couple of towns over that you don't normally drive through, you should receive an alert to be extra cautious in that area. According to releases and articles about this new feature, Waze has started to roll it out to users. My phone has not updated to include the feature, but it is showing up for some on both Android and iOS. My advice, keep checking back, and I will let you know when I can see it in my Waze app. Number two. Ritter Insurance Marketing is headquartered in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Now, in addition to being the capital city of our state, Harrisburg is part of South Central PA. It's where I was born. It's where I grew up. And I have to say, it's a pretty fantastic place to work, to live, and to raise kids. Interestingly enough, for 2024, Harrisburg, PA, topped the list of places to retire to in the United States. Every year, U.S. News & World Report updates their list of the best and worst cities to retire to in the United States. Now, the Axios headline on this report obviously caught my attention with, Move Over Florida. Retirees are flocking to Pennsylvania. And spoiler alert, it's not just Harrisburg that topped the list. Seven cities from our Keystone State made it into the top 10. Reading took the number two slot. Lancaster came in third. And yes, it's Lancaster, not Lancaster. Scranton was number four on the list. Allentown came in fifth. 
York was seventh on the list, and then Pittsburgh took the number 10 spot. I certainly hope this doesn't mean that the Florida man meme will be changing to Pennsylvania man anytime soon, but I guess we will have to watch and see. We'll be linking to that report in our notes so you can see how other cities around the country ranked. Number three, came across an interesting article in the Harvard Business Review this week, and I learned an interesting tidbit about artificial intelligence that I wanted to pass on. AI is trained by large language models, or LLMs for short. Much of what we've seen rise in popularity levels lately is generative AI. You input a prompt, and the generative AI gives you some sort of content back, like text or an image, for example. That process works well as long as the LLMs are being fed real data. And when I say real data, that's an actual term to describe data that pertains to, quote, real individuals, matters, or cases, end quote as opposed to, say, data that is an output or response from generative AI. Because something interesting happens when generative AI is trained on its own output, and it's not good. Eventually, model autophagy disorder sets in, causing generative AI models to essentially go mad. They get stuck in a loop of processing their own outputs, and both the quality and diversity of output degrades over time. It's an interesting concept to read about. Couple of things here. Obviously, I would hope that before we really let these models loose on the internet and the world beyond what their use is right now, that this issue will be explored and dealt with. But I'm glad to see some critical thinking and reporting in the area of generative AI. And then second, there's been a lot of talk about AI coming for many industries and various types of jobs. So MAD just might be good news there, even if the implications of the issue not being resolved are admittedly terrifying. Definitely worth a read. I particularly enjoyed how approachable the article was. I think pieces on AI that go into the weeds like this can sometimes be cumbersome to read and understand. The author on this one did a fantastic job of explaining, so we'll be linking to that in the notes, as well as the study on training generative AI on generated data. Number four. YouTube recently announced a new feature that's one part for you page and also one part not that because it's going to work at a much more granular level. Beginning November 20th, channel pages on YouTube will be getting a for you section at the top of the page. This section will populate differently depending on the user's watch history, combining that information with the videos published to the channel, creating a playlist personalized to what that user is interested in. And I could see this being helpful because most YouTube channels, our own channel included, host a variety of different content. So let's say you land on the Ritter Insurance Marketing channel page 
because you've been watching a bunch of videos about ACA certification. You would likely see our ACA-related content populate the For You section. However, for someone coming into the page searching for information about CMS compliance, they would probably see other related compliance videos. And if you didn't know that we have a YouTube page, we do have a YouTube page. We post all of our episodes there as videos in addition to other videos our multimedia team creates. Now, most of the podcast episodes are currently audiograms, with the exception of Tina's Agent Apps videos. We've got plans for getting me on camera more in the coming year, as well as some new projects that our team is pretty excited about. So if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, that link is in the notes for you. Think of it as another place you can follow along with the show, just like the regular tried and true podcast directories. Number five, if I'm being completely real and honest, right now has not been the most fun time to read the news between some of the more recent developments in our industry and then just the world in general. But here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast, we really do try to keep things in a positive light. We try to find the silver lining, the good, the optimism in the world. It can be hard to stay motivated when the world feels like a giant dumpster fire, along with all the other stuff that we've got going on personally. But for me, taking the time to pause, reflect, connect with a higher power, meditate, and be mindful has been absolutely life-changing. Now, while I can honestly say that I'm not the type of person to jump on a trend immediately if I don't like some aspect of it, I am the type of person who can get extremely excited about something new when I see potential or benefit in that practice. I am a high eye when it comes to my DISC profile, which if you know anything about, you can probably tell because I still haven't gotten to the point, have I? So here it is. Minda Zetlin, author of Career Self-Care, published a piece on Inc.com with 365 micro-daily challenges to stay motivated. It is a fantastic list. And of course, there is an option to subscribe to receive those prompts via text. And there's a special offer to get a couple of weeks worth of those prompts for free. This is something that I'm going to be working through in the next few weeks to see if it's truly beneficial for me on top of what I already do. So if you want to check out the list, you can do that. We'll be linking to it in the notes. And just to give an example of what is on the list, the prompt for today, November 10th, is the best nourishment. What fills you up? Quick note, it does look like this was something offered at the end of last year, given that all of the verbiage in the article mentions the year 2023, but it's also filed under holiday 2023, so there's that. I think when it comes to large year-long lists like this, I probably would be able to repeat on a six-month basis and not remember the prompts, but that's just me, so... 
Stay tuned and let me know if you decide to download and what you think of the list. Rupel recommends. On Wednesday this week, SAG-AFTRA and the studios in Hollywood came to an agreement, finally putting an end to the strikes currently affecting the entertainment industry. Now, hopefully that means we can get some of the projects moving that have been on hold, and The Uglies will finally make its way to Netflix screens. Fingers crossed. In the spirit of that news and the fact that we have not covered this in a long, long time, let's talk about some streaming picks for November. And apologies, some of these did not come out just this month, but it's what I've been watching. First and foremost, after binge-watching the new versions of Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile, I was eagerly looking forward to another Hercule Poirot mystery, and in my Hulu feed, absolutely nothing. Until a few days ago, when a haunting in Venice popped up in the newly added movies section. Now, I haven't watched it yet, so please, no spoilers. It does look a little more spooky than the previous installments, but more in the Alfred Hitchcock sense of spooky, so I think I should be okay to watch it. On Disney+, Plus, we've been watching Behind the Attraction, season one and season two, It's been fun sharing my love of documentaries with my daughter, and this is actually a docuseries that she was interested in watching. On Wednesday this week, also on Disney+, season two of The Santa Clauses premiered, probably one of my favorite holiday franchises. We really enjoyed season one last year. We're looking forward to watching season two. Haven't checked it out yet. And of course, revisiting the trilogy of movies that came before the series. Then later this month, November 30th on Netflix, the bad guys are back with a very bad holiday. That is a movie franchise based on the kids book series where the big bad wolf and his associates turn good. Great book series. Love the movies. Definitely recommend the both of them. Now, if you're looking for the holiday classic Elf, good news, you will find it on Max right now, and then coming to Hulu beginning November 23rd. That is one of our family favorites to watch during the holiday season. We can watch it over and over again, along with White Christmas and as many versions of Scrooge as my dad can find to watch. We will have a poll in the episode notes where you can tell us what your favorite holiday movie is. We're going to keep that open from now until next Thursday for you to add your vote into the mix. And then keep an eye out for a special episode on Black Friday where we will rate the top five holiday movies and what we love about them. Check out the episode notes for that link, along with all of the other resources we mentioned here today. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. 
Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing, an integrity company. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing and fact check by Tina Lamaru. Podcast designed by Urban Rivera. Artwork by Vivian Zhao. Follow along with us wherever you like to listen.